Whether you're looking for a convenient refresher course, or a way to earn your Pragmatic certification at your own speed, or the chance to take a Pragmatic course from your specific corner of the world, then Foundations On Demand is the solution you need. Get the same great content, tools, and templates our Foundations course is famous for in a flexible and easy-to-use online learning platform. Learn the skills you need to build and market products people want to buy. And earn your Pragmatic Institute certification anywhere, anytime. No more travel worries, no more time zone issues, just truly great training. Experience the new way of training with Foundations On Demand from Pragmatic Institute. Visit pragmaticinstitute.com foundations to learn more. Welcome to the Pragmatic Product Chat Series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I am Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Marketing and Product Strategy at Pragmatic Institute, and your host for this episode. And today, we are going to dive into a topic that's one of the most important and one of maybe the least understood fully slash implemented in some of the organizations we talk to. And that's really around metrics and the idea of setting up OKRs. It's a good topic. It's a big topic. And so that means we have to have somebody really good come in and talk to us about it. They weren't available. So I got, uh, no, <laughs> just kidding. So we are very, very fortunate to have Paul Young on today. He is one of our premier instructors. He has been a product manager, uh, a product manager instructor, a leader, a facilitator, a thought leader, a talker, a keynoter, all kinds of things on product for many years. And he is a great source resource to have with, on with us. Hello, Paul. Hello, Rebecca. Always good to be back. Thank you for that wonderful, wonderful <laughs> intro. And uh, I'll just say I talk good. <laughs> oh, look at your Austin showing. All right. So Paul, first of all, for those people on the call who may be haven't had the opportunity to see you in the classroom, which they totally should. You are an amazing instructor. Give them just a little bit of the background on Paul. Sure. So uh, as Rebecca said, my name is Paul Young. I've been with Pragmatic now for, geez, almost uh, 11, 12 years. Yeah. Prior to that, I was a product management and marketing executive. I worked at a lot of different companies, some big, some small, uh, some big companies like Cisco Systems and Dell. Also a bunch of startups here in the Austin, Texas area where I live. Uh, and I've had the privilege of working in both B2B and B2C in hardware, software, and services. And so it's been a, it's been a privilege. It's been a, it's been a really fun career. And nowadays I get to work with thousands of product people all over the, all over the world with the work that, that we do here at Pragmatic. And it's always fun to get different perspectives and see different industries and, and so on. And it's just a joy every day when I get to interact with the, uh, the students that come to, to come to our classes. Great. Awesome. Okay. So one of the things that we talk about is, and lots of people don't, you know, this wasn't, is the idea that you can't, you can't really manage what you can't measure and that making sure that we are measuring and, and thinking about and focus on the right things is one of the biggest things we need to know. And it's one of the biggest challenges we have, how to stay focused, uh, how to know that we're focused and how to know that we're succeeding. So, 
one of the things that you like to talk about is OKRs. So let's talk first, like set the stage for someone who's maybe never seen an OKR and is pondering if that's some sort of Oklahoma Ramblers abbreviation. Could you give us just a little bit on OKRs, what they are and why they're important? No, thankfully, OKRs have nothing to do with Oklahoma. <laughs> and and if they did, you'd know it because I'd make this is where I would make some joke about the reason that Texas doesn't fall into the Gulf of Mexico is because of Oklahoma. <laughs> Because Oklahoma sucks, and everyone knows that. <laughs> you can, in case you're wondering where, <laughs> where, where it falls from. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I only make that joke because uh, this weekend is the big Texas versus Oklahoma football game, and uh, that's our big rival. So we're going to go up there this weekend in Dallas, and we're going to see the, the Cotton Bowl. It should be a lot of fun if you're into college football. Anyways, that's not why we're here. We're here to talk about OKRs. So here's the way we think about OKRs. As you said, you can't manage what you don't measure. But what often happens is that we we start to gather this huge collection of metrics. You know, maybe we're looking at net promoter score or maybe we're looking at average daily or monthly users or maybe we're looking at revenue. And we're looking at all these all this stuff. And it's useful to look at metrics. But metrics are a lot more useful and meaningful if we frame them around why the heck are we actually measuring that thing to begin with? You don't want to just measure a thing to measure a thing. You want to measure a thing because it's meaningful. And OKRs are one way in which teams put meaning behind the measurement. That's what makes them really powerful. If you study some of the history behind OKRs, these are not new. It's not like these are just coming out here in, you know, 2022. They've actually been around for like years, decades, in fact. They built upon the idea of SMART goals that were developed in the 1980s. Uh, and that's probably an acronym that, you know, if you're of a certain age, you probably remember. Specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-bound. Generally, you know, five good characteristics of a, uh, of a good goal. And, and oftentimes I remember early in my career when I was a product manager, and also when I managed product managers, we would set goals in that way, you know, making sure they hit each one of those five things. OKR is actually built upon the idea of SMART goals. They were they started at Intel and were popularized by Google in the late 90s and early 2000s. And OKRs are a great tool for coordinating uh, your business and your team around shared goals. And they can also provide some nice measurements that is meaningful. But they're also a little bit tricky to get started. And so I thought maybe for this uh, for this call today, for this pod, we'd, we'd talk a little bit about OKRs, kind of what they are, how to use them, how to set them, how to measure them, and then maybe leave the listener with a few ideas about how to potentially implement a tool like OKRs within their own within their own uh, business or, or, or organization. Does that sound about right? Sounds perfect. Okay. So OKR stands for Objectives and Key Results. So the O part is objectives, the KR part is key results. And you got to think of them as two separate things. So let's start first with the O, which is the objective part of OKRs. Think of the objective like the, it's, it's like a mission statement for a team. And you're going to find that the objective could be set at an individual level, at a team level, perhaps even at a business unit level, or even for the entire business. So you can almost think of it like a pyramid. You might have your business, if they've fully adopted OKRs, set an, a set of OKRs at the entire business level, which then cascade down to your team or to you as an individual. Or if you're just implementing this by yourself, you might start by just doing it for yourself or for your team. 
but good objectives actually ladder between the different levels. And so, you know, you might start with a really big objective for the company and then break it down into what is your team's contribution to that bigger company objective and then what's your individual's contribution to the team objective. So they should kind of interlock if you think about it. A good objective is qualitative and inspirational. So the way to think of a good objective is uh, when the team reads the objective statement, they should want to jump out of bed in the morning <laughs> to achieve it. And so this is where you might want to use the language of your team. So like if your team wants to say that our objective is to own the market or to kill it this next quarter, that's fine if that's how your team talks. Good objectives are also time bound, just like the SMART goals. So we want to achieve our objectives somewhere, but usually between a month and a quarter. That way we can keep it within a reasonable time frame that we can, uh, we can look back on. They should also be independently actionable, meaning that it's truly your objective and there's no escape hatch, Me meaning that I, I don't want to be able to look back at an, at an objective and say, well, you know, we didn't hit that objective because marketing didn't market it. I know, Rebecca, you've, you've never heard that before. No, and marketing market is my favorite. <laughs> and so a, a good objective is one that you can action yourself. And, and lastly, a good objective should be hard, but not impossible. And so some examples of like what might make a good objective would be our objective for the next quarter is to launch an awesome MVP or to own the market in whatever business we're in or to be recognized as the voice of our market internally, right? Those would be examples of, of good objectives because they're, they're, they're inspirational, they're qualitative and so on. Bad examples of objectives would be things like we want to increase our sales by 30% or we want to increase our email open rate by 10%. Th those are going to be more examples of key results because those, that, those are more measurable and they're quantitative. But for the objective side, you, you want to use language that's going to inspire the team. All right. And, and think of the objective as a framing device. Like what is it we're trying to accomplish? Once we get the objective in place, then we can start to look at the KR part, which is the key result. And say, all right, if that's what we're what we're trying to accomplish, how are we going to know if we got there? That's the key result. And if you think about metrics, when a lot of people talk metrics, what they're actually talking about are key results. But we like to talk the objective first because, again, I don't want to measure something just to measure it. Mm -hmm. I want to measure something because it's meaningful. And the objective makes meaning for the metric. I also think sometimes with the metrics, more than one metric can be associated with the objective. And that can be important, right? Because sometimes you, there's danger in, in focusing on just one of those metrics as it relates to the bigger picture of the objective. And so this allows you to give a, a balanced, more holistic look at the metrics to make sure that what you're looking at about them is what is, is meant to lead to the, to the objective and not just Absolutely. a vanity. Absolutely. And what we're going to find is that you could actually have more than one key result that you use to measure success of an objective. So it's kind of a one to many. You're probably not going to have a hundred key results for an individual objective. You might have three, for example, but uh, it's not just like a one to one. You might yeah. have one objective like own the market that is expressed or measured through multiple key results. All right, so let's talk about the key result. We understand the objective, it's a framing device. The key result is what we use to quantify the inspirational objective. So if the objective is qualitative, the key result is quantitative. And the key result answers a really key question, which is how do we know if we've actually met our objective? Uh, what numbers would change? What metrics would move? 
And a key result could be based in a number of different areas. It could be about growth. It could be about engagement, revenue, performance, quality, any of those things. And again, the key result should be difficult to achieve, but not impossible. So some, some examples, good examples of key results would be something like 40% of our users are logging in more than twice a week, or our NPS is higher than 60, or our email open rate is above 15%, right? Any of those could be examples of, of good key results. Bad key results would be things like our users like it, <laughs> or Rebecca is happy, or we I feel mean, good about mm -hmm. the outcome. Like we can't measure those things. So let me just pause there on, on key results for a second. So does that make sense, the difference between the objective and the key result? Yes. All right, good. So once we, once we have an objective, we might have one or more than one key results for each objective that are answering the question, did we actually meet the objective? Like, are we, are we getting to where we want to be? Setting the OKR is important, but the other side of the coin of setting the OKR is measuring your progress towards achieving that OKR. And so to do that, OKRs have a couple of different ways to measure progress towards that because if our key result is net promoter score of over 60, that's nice, but like we either hit that or we don't. What if you're at 50 today and you're climbing you know, progressively towards that goal uh, or key result of 60, but you're not there yet? You can still show progress towards that so that you know if you're making meaningful progress in the right direction. So when we set a key result, we also want to assess a confidence level in achieving that key result. And typically I like to use a one to 10 scale where one means it would take a miracle to achieve this key result. And 10 means I am hundred percent certain that we're going to hit that key result. So let's say you're at the beginning of the quarter and you're setting OKRs for your team. You'd set an objective, like we want to own the market. And then you'd set a key result that says, you know, I, I don't know, let's just say net promoter score of over 60. At the beginning of the quarter, before we've started to take any actions towards that OKR, we're going to assess what is our confidence of hitting it on that one to 10 scale. A good key result confidence score in the beginning should fall somewhere between about like the three to seven range in terms of confidence. If you're an eight, nine or 10 in confidence at the beginning of the measurement period, we, I call that the sandbag zone, sandbagging, like where, all right, if you're already that confident before you've started doing anything, that key result is probably too easy to achieve and you're sandbagging. So we want to stretch ourselves a little bit. On the other hand, if you set your confidence at like a one, two or three to hit that key result at the beginning of the measurement period before you've done anything, I call that a morale killer because mm. your reality of actually probably being able to hit that is going to be so low that you, you, you're probably not going to get there. So a good key result confidence in the beginning should be somewhere like four, five, six, seven, somewhere in that range. Difficult, but not impossible. And then every week, every month, however often you come back to it and revisit it, you're also going to reassess your confidence rating. So when you give a readout of the work you've been doing, you can revisit the OKR and say, all right, just as a reminder, here's, a, here's our objective. Here's the key result that we're tracking or results as the case may be. We initially assessed our confidence of hitting that as a four out of 10, but based on the work done so far, we're able to raise that to a six. And as you get closer and closer and closer to the end of the quarter, then you can reassess your, your confidence. And either it should go all the way up to 10 as you get closer, or maybe it falls all the way, all the way down to zero. Just because you fail doesn't mean that you know, you're, you're, you're a failure. 
Uh, it just means we didn't hit this OKR. It was a learning event. You know, we need to go back and reassess. But think of that like one to 10 scale. We want to be in that middle range to set something that's difficult, but not impossible. And then we reassess our progress uh, every week. So a couple of different questions come to mind. One is on OKRs in general. I think some people think of OKRs as just a number, another name for KPIs, which I don't think is the case. But can we talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So, so I think of KPIs as the key result part of the OKR. And I mean, there, there's different names for all these concepts, right? Metric, KPI, you know, key result. Ultimately, we're going to have to measure something. Mm-hmm. And whether we call it a KPI or a key result or a metric, that measurable thing is a lot more meaningful if it ties back to an objective. Now, hopefully your KPIs already did, and you weren't just measuring something to measure it. But the nice thing about OKRs is they set up this structure so that you can immediately and consistently report on your metrics or your KPIs or your key results in such a way to show that you're actually trying to achieve the the value that you said you were going to go out and get in the beginning. That's why we do it. One of the things that I like to do with my teams is actually establish a weekly cadence for reading out their progress towards their OKRs. And we would actually set up a little, almost like a team dashboard where we would, we would show like, what is your objective as a team and what are the key results? So like, let, let's say we, um, let's say we set an objective to say, we want to establish clear value to our distributors as a quality provider of this product. And the key results we set there were, we're going to have reorders at 85%, 20% of those reorders are going to be self-service and we're going to get a revenue goal of 250,000. All right, so three different key results. I might assess the the confidence on each of those at five out of 10 in the beginning. Now for each one of those key results that I'm trying to drive, reorders, self-service and revenue, we're gonna have different priorities that we're working on each week. So like you've got your P1s, P2s, P3s, those priorities that the team is working on each week are gonna feed the key results. And so like I might have a, uh, a priority one in the team that says we're specking out a new order flow, or if it's a sales team, they have three solid candidates in for an interview this week or whatever. So like we can start to map the work that the team is doing on a day-to-day basis to the key results. So everything that you do now is we're getting rid of the firefighting by making sure that all the work is framed appropriately around the objectives that we're trying to achieve. And if you ladder your OKRs appropriately, then it goes from individual to team to business unit to the company or organization. Everyone's in sync. That's the power of driving these OKRs because it really just puts everybody on a, on on that same playing field. So if we look at these, and you kind of said, think of it as a monthly or a quarterly basis. And I think you know for quarterly OKRs, how many how many OKRs? Right? What is? The, I know there's not a magic number, but I feel like you could easily get too many or not enough. Is there a is there a space where you find people kind of settle? It varies by team, and everyone's different, as you said. You know, I, I typically found that three big objectives is usually about right, and you might have two to three KRs, key results for each objective. You know, you do more than that, and pretty soon, you know, like you're if you're tracking like five, six, seven different objectives with three key results each. You know, pretty soon you've got like 15 to 20 different things on your mind at any point in time. We're not really narrowing the funnel of work that we want to do. And just like your key results should be meaningful, framed around an objective, that should go all the way down to the team and what they're doing on a day-to-day basis. I don't want the team just jumping from one thing to another, uh, 
going crazy. I want to make sure that their work is is meaningful and and, and contributing to something that you know is actually going to move the needle for us as a business. And so, I, typically, I would say usually for most teams, it's about three. Great. Okay, so we talked about how to how they should ladder from sort of top to bottom. We talked about how the objectives are should be inspirational and the the key results should be attainable, but a but a push and things that are very measurable. What else is important for us to remember as we start to think about OKRs? Well, you get to the end of the quarter, you assess how you did. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully you've been reassessing every week your confidence level. Now you get to the end of the quarter, you say, did we hit our OKR or not? If the answer is we did, we have to ask, well, did we hit it because we sandbagged and we made it not enough of a stretch? Or did we hit it because it was actually kind of a stretch and we and we got there, we put in the work. And then you use that information to reassess your OKRs for the next quarter. And so you always want to get them in that middle range again. So again, difficult, but not impossible. Um, I don't want it to be a layup. I want it to be like hard because the good things are usually not easy. And so we want to make sure that we're, you know, we're stretching ourselves. We're pushing just a little bit. And so that that's where I find that range is useful to think about them. But you always want to look backwards just to make sure, especially if you're in a leadership role and maybe poke on the confidence level that your team is assessing a little bit just to see you know, because it's human nature, right? You know, people are going to say, well, that's a, that's a five out of 10. I'm not sure about that. And you say, really? Cause like you did basically that last quarter. And <laughs> fine. Um, and so you just want to make sure. So it, it, just like any measurement system, nothing's perfect. OKRs are not magical. You know, Andy Grove, when he popularized these at Intel was a big fan. And Peter Drucker, if you go all the way back to, uh, to him in the fifties uh, and sixties, you know, he had a lot to, to the, of, of stuff that built up to this with MBO management by objective. And you can see some of that heritage in OKRs today, but it's not a magic wand. We still need to look at it. We need to put in the work and we need to do the, do the measurement week over week and month over month to see if we're, we're hitting our goals. So for someone who doesn't have these implemented, right? This is, sounds amazing, right? I clear objectives of where we're going. There's alignment from top to bottom. We've got ways we can measure success, but well, it sounds amazing. It can also feel a little daunting, right? If you were going to have someone, right, what advice can we give people who are just trying to get started and just trying to implement these? Well, let's let's divide the conversation into two pieces. Let's say you are a leader of a team, whether that's a marketing team or product marketing or product management, or let's say you're an indi- individual contributor, like you're a product manager, product marketer, product owner, whatever. So if you are the leader of a team, and your organization has not broadly adopted OKRs yet, then you can start off by clearly articulating for your team, what are our team objectives for the quarter? And and I wouldn't say that that's something that you should drop on them, but rather make it a collaborative discussion because I want objectives that the team will buy into that they can look at and gets them excited. So usually that's not going to be a a diktat from the top, you know, where we say, go do this, but rather it's going to be something where we get together in a room and get on Miro or, or whatever and say, okay, with our understanding of the company and where we're going, what do we think our team three big objectives should be for the quarter and put it in their own language? That'll get them excited and motivated. Then we can have an open discussion about what key results we can use to measure success towards those objectives. So if you're, if you're a leader of a team, just start with your team. If your company has broadly adopted OKRs already from the top down, then you're in an advantageous position because then it's a matter of just laddering down to your team and saying, what is your piece of the business unit or company objective and how can we contribute to that? If you're an individual contributor, there's no reason why you can't use OKRs today. You're just going to use them at an individual level. 
And so you have to ask for, for your product, for your area. What are your objectives? You know, what will, what, what will get you out of bed in the morning and get you excited? What is, is inspirational for you and how can you frame the work that you're doing in a meaningful way for everybody else? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can actually bring some proposed objectives to your manager as a conversation starter and just say, hey, this is what I'm thinking is going to drive some important success for us as a business from my perspective. And this is how I would set my own objectives. Do you agree? There's an element of managing up here. You know, I would love to say that every every person in an individual contributor role is going to get these from their manager, but it doesn't always work out that way. If it doesn't, the onus is on you. Most good leaders will see that as a positive because they're like, wow, this person's taking initiative. Look at that. They're they're implementing this this measurement system. They're thinking about numbers. They're they're setting an inspirational objective. That's like a really good thing. That's the kind of person I want to provide training to, I want to promote, I want to give them more responsibility. You know, so if you're if you're aiming to move up in your career, and this is something that you know you might look at to say how how could I use this to accelerate the good work that I'm already doing and make sure that that good work is expressed in a way that has deep and meaningful action to the business. I actually think that a lot of times as an individual contributor, it can feel really frustrating when when you don't get the the strategy guidance from down or the, the kind of thing in the OKRs. But I, I'm with you. I actually think you should really look at that as an opportunity. Uh, it is a huge opportunity, not only to show your chops, but to help set the direction of where you're going to be focused, right? What do you think matter most? What are you most passionate about? You bring those OKRs forward and get sign off on. You've made a, a huge impact, not only in saying, look, I'm, 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 I'm strategic and, and focused, but in helping to drive the direction of the focus. Don't Absolutely. underestimate the power of that opportunity. Absolutely. And one of, one of two things will happen in my experience in that conversation. Either your leader will say, yes, OMG, your OKR is amazing. Um, and, and, and let's talk about that. Or they might come back and say, you know what? I appreciate the work you did. These objectives that you've set, the, the key results are great, but the objective you set is wrong and here's why. And, and let's have a conversation. Both of those are actually really good for you because in both of those scenarios, you're expressing that that strategic thought le- mm-hmm. uh, level. You are thinking at a higher level than just like, what do I need to do you know, to get the job done? You're framing your work in a meaningful way. And even if you got it wrong on the objectives, that's okay, because now you're opening up that conversation that you might not have had before with your leader, because you got to remember what what exists in your leader's head. It may not be apparent to them that you don't already know that. Yes. And some leaders are better at actively communicating that stuff than others. For others, you might have to pull it out of them a little bit. And if you're not getting it today from your leader, you might be able to crack that discussion open by just saying, here's my understanding of what a meaningful objective and key result is. What do you think? And they're like, yeah, that's great. Or no, it isn't. And we can have that conversation from there and see where it goes. Great. Okay. OKRs, powerful stuff. What else have you got? What else have you, where have you in your own career or in the the thousands of, of students you've worked with, do you have any great stories about OKR transformations? All right. Yeah, I do actually do. Uh, I have an example from a company that I worked with a couple of years ago. Obviously, I can't share their name, but they were a fairly large organization. Think about maybe in the tens of thousands of employees, but maybe not as big as like a, you know, hundreds of thousands. So somewhere in between the two. Not publicly traded, but, uh, but, but large enough that they probably could be. Hundreds of millions, if not billions in revenue. And we went in to go work with 
a team that was responsible for a portfolio that was in the hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. And this was one of those organizations that is what I would call highly matrixed in that it was very flat, but everyone worked with everybody. And so as a result, there were a lot of really loud voices within the organization who all thought their perspective was the best perspective. Uh, and so everyone had their own measurements, everyone had their own way of thinking, everyone was setting their own objectives. And what the product team was frustrated about was that every month, it felt like their goal would change. Mm. For one month, it would be the leader of the support function or the COO who would pop up talking about the, the need to improve net promoter score. You know, the next month, you know, engineering would show up talking about the need to resolve technical debt. And then the month after that, it would be sales talking about what they need to win something new. And it felt almost like whiplash because they were going in so many different directions. Thankfully, this company brought in a new leader, a new CEO, who instituted the OKR concept. And it started off by establishing objectives and key results for the entire organization. That was done at a leadership level. So it was like the executive team, the CEO, and, and his direct reports. And they established very clearly that their goal for the next year was growth. And so they set a objective saying, our goal is to be number one in the market in their area over the next year. And I think they were number three uh, at the time that they started. And they set some key results around revenue growth, around uh, renewals and retention and so on to measure their progress towards that getting to number one in the market. And that was something that really motivated the entire executive team because now everybody's clear. The sales team knows like it's really about you know getting that new business inside sales and, and support knows it's all about retention and everybody can frame what they're doing. After that, the OKR started to cascade down to the business level. And so for support, for example, they looked at net promoter score through the lens of what they need to do to drive renewals and revenue, not just net promoter to get net promoter. It's, it's always about, in their case, driving growth. For the product team, the implication was we're going to drive growth through a strategy of retention and cross-sell. And so what they did was they stopped developing a new product. They actually put it on pause. And they focused on the resolution of tech debt, and they focused on some new offerings that were going to help them cross-sell, upsell within their existing base that would help them both drive retention, but also close some key gaps with the competition that were going to allow them to accelerate their sales. Key blockers. And by providing that clarity of objectives and the key results they were going to use to measure it from the top down... It provided clarity to all the teams, including the product team, so that they knew what to say yes to, but more importantly, what to say no to, so that they could then focus their areas on what was the work that was the most meaningful to achieving that goal and not that work that was not. And I came in about midway through that process to work with this team as they were starting to struggle with some of those choices. Like anything, nothing's perfect because they had to go to some people who had some very valid and, and well-formed thoughts about the things that they should be building and say no to those people because it didn't align with their new objectives. Hmm. And so, but saying no is hard, but it's also a lot easier if you have the rationale, the strategy and the objective and key result driving the no 
so that that person understands it's not a no because I don't like you. It's a no because this is the organization direction that we decided on. And that could change, you know, a quarter from now, a year from now. And if that changes, then we'll change the no to a yes, maybe. But for now, from the top down to the business unit, to the product portfolio, down to me, uh, it's a no and here's why. And, you know, that way everybody understood it wasn't personal. It was just the objective that we're trying to achieve as a business. I think it's it's much easier to hear the no when you know where the yeses are too, right? Where it doesn't feel like everything's a no. It's power. And on the number one thing we always hear is the biggest problem in product in our annual survey is focus, that there is not enough focus. And the OKRs are just a really good tool to help ensure that we're focused at every level and focused in the same direction. Absolutely. Now, the, the, the one caution I'll give people when they're thinking about OKR or any tool to say no like that, it's only as good as the strategy that you've created as a business. Yeah. So if your executive team has different ideas about the direction of the company or different ideas about the objectives that we should use to get people excited, then that will show up in the OKRs. OKRs are a tool. They're not magic. Uh, and so the first sort of prerequisite to setting a good OKR at a company level or even at a team level is making sure everyone's clear about what are our choices and what are we going to use to declare success. That will show up in clear objectives, which we can then figure out the right way to measure. Awesome. All right, Paul, as usual, when we get together, we've talked a lot about a lot of different things. If you're going to have listeners do two things differently tomorrow based on what we talked about today, what would it be? Number one, I would have the listener clearly articulate what are your objectives for the next quarter for you as an individual and or for your team. And if you get that direction from the top down, excellent. If not, I would have you start that conversation going up in your organization so that you can get that clarity. That would be number one. Number two, I would ask, what are the key results that you need to measure that success? <laughs> you can see how these kind of aligns. Wait, <laughs> yeah, Wait a minute. A little bit of a uh, softball. Thank you for that. But yeah, it, you, you, you've got to understand the objective is qualitative. The key result is quantitative. So an objective by itself is wonderful. I love setting good objectives, but unless I can measure it, it's a little bit meaningless. So we need to understand what does success look like for achieving that objective? That's the measurable part. That's the key result. And so come to agreement internally and make sure that your key result that you're going to be driving is something that your leader agrees is a good key result to measure success in that objective. You want to find out if they don't agree with that at the beginning, not at the end. Perfect. All right, Paul, as always, an absolute pleasure to have you on and to get insights from you. So thank you so much for joining us. Always happy to help. Love coming on the uh, Pragmatic Podcast and uh, look forward to seeing y'all in class sometime. Awesome. All right, that does it for today's episode. Everyone, thanks for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career.